Hey, Stugatz. What's going, Junior? Christopher. Christopher, come on. Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? I don't I don't know. I don't know, man. I've been making shows like nonstop over the last few days. I've just been uh going going hard on the uh live streams, even though you can't see them, they are happening. Um a whole bunch, a whole whole bunch. So welcome to today's live stream. We are on season four of the Sopranos. And I gotta tell you, listen, I'm I'm really enjoying my Sopranos rewatch, but the upkeep of of recapping them, you know, and, and keeping my thoughts together, it's it's a daunting. This is a daunting task. It's not easy to do. <laughs> Nobody really seems to give a shit. But you know, when I start something, I gotta finish it. That's that's what happens. But I think I'm gonna take a, a small breather after season four and do uh, a few other things before we return with season five, just to give it a little bit of a breather, and then we will dive back into the Sopranos. But as you can see, I got my tank top. I can't call it what I used to call it because it's um it's a terrible thing to call this shirt. And no, it is not what you were thinking. It is something else. It begins with a W. Um, how we refer to these shirts. I can't, uh, but I feel like I've been wearing more of these <laughs> since I've been watching the Sopranos because I see Tony wearing them. I don't know. That does not mean I want to be like Tony. I just forgot how much I love having them. And uh, yeah, so in any case, where did, where did things pick up at the beginning of season four? Uh, I mean, I had forgotten so much of this stuff. T Junior is really worried about money because of his, you know, his court case. And, you know, he's this whole time he's been meeting in his doctor's office because he's on house arrest and he's got Bobby Jr. helping him out. Um, and, you know, they're trying to like figure out how, you know, how to go about certain things. And they do this in the doctor's office. And it's very interesting, very interesting way to sort of skirt around the regulations and rules. Cause these guys, I mean, how unmanageable does that? I mean, it's so unmanageable. I remember like, even when you watch like Goodfellas, you see how they have to like cover their mouths when they're talking because they have uh, their FBI uh, lip readers that are going to read, read their lips and kind of figure out what it is that they're talking about. I mean, it just gets, and in the age of technology too, you know, Tony's complaining about like flip phones and stuff. And I'm just thinking, my God, like, what are the, what do the families do now in the age of, with all the surveillance equipment? I mean, the idea of like even having a cell phone in the same room has got today, you know, in real life, whatever, however the mob works now, it must be daunting to say at least, or at least in your crew, you need to have like a super tech hacker to deal with all of this sort of stuff, you know, um, there's this guy, he's an assembly assemblyman. His name's Ronnie. He's the guy from the mask. He he's going to come into play it a little bit, but there's this whole business, um, involved with a uh, special, they're doing a special development, uh, right on the waterfront to like revitalize the, um, uh, the, the waterfront district in, in, in Newark, because everybody knows Newark is kind of the armpit. Uh, you know, when people talk about Jersey being an armpit, I disagree. Jersey is not an armpit. Jersey is a wonderful, awesome place. It's Newark. Newark is a very sort of bleak and Newark, I feel, gives New Jersey this sort of distinction as being the armpit when in reality it's just Newark, which is very industrialized in certain areas. I don't know. In any case, um, 
the uh, you know, Carm starts to get on Tony's case. She's worried about money because she saw what happened to Angie, big pussy's um, big pussy's wife. You know, she's selling. She's like doing samplers. She's she's like the sampler lady at at the supermarket, and that really bums her out. And uh, you know, um, Tony's trying to like reassure her, and he's like, "Look, like uh, we will be taken care of. Do not worry." Uh, but we're not hiding. We don't hide money in the house anymore, and that's not true. He keeps money in uh, in a bird in in bird feed in in the backyard. And, um, you know, Karn starts to get suspicious and more, more on that later. Polly gets arrested on uh, this old gun charge and he gets thrown in the slammer for much of the season. And, um, you know, Tony's kind of indifferent towards it. And so Polly starts venting to Johnny Sack from New York, who is, you know, um, he, you know, Johnny Sack is kind of like a two faced guy a little bit. And, you know, he's a, pra- as he calls himself, he's a pragmatic pragmatist you know pra- he's pragmatic uh, which is a good thing to be in life um and I, he's also kind of an opportunity which he's an opportunity to sow dissent you know in a rival family even though they do good business together which is what carmine wants johnny's the under under boss and carmine is the big boss and carmine wants there to be you know um peace between the families because they've done great business with the soprano family and they don't want to ruin that um, this is when Ralphie and Janice really start to hook up. I was mentioning that last season, but because I watched everything so quickly, everything's kind of me- meshed together. You know, they're doing blow in the in Tony's bathroom and having sex right underneath uh, uh, Rosalie April's nose. Um, Christopher, he starts to get resentful um, with Tony over stuff that happened with Jackie Jr., and he starts using heroin again, and he, he gets back on the H, which Tony didn't want him to do. Um, and at the same time, Adriana's friend Danielle, who happens to be the mole, the 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 FBI informant, she's hanging around with with Christopher and Aid. She's hanging around with um, she's hanging around with uh, what's her face? Uh, um, they're going to Tony's house and stuff. Um, and she's just getting she's just getting eyeballs everywhere uh, in, in areas where she shouldn't. Good morning, Aaron. How are you, sir? We're doing a little before the sun before Sunday family meal. We're doing a uh, little Sopranos action. So that happens. Um, but, you know, at the same time, while this is all going on with uh, Adrian's best friend, Junior finds out that the nurse that he's been flirting with has also been an informant and she's been privy to a lot of conversations that have been happening for the last couple of seasons, seasons two and seasons three, all the meetings that have been happening in, in, in the office, in the doctor's office, uh, you're on your way to work. Uh, hope you have a good shift. Hope it's uh smooth and steady for you. Happy Sunday. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, Tony also like, Tony also makes his intentions for Christopher clear. And we finally get to see, you know, Tony has been sort of back and forth with Christopher. Sometimes they have a, they have a father and son relationship because Christopher and I, I spoiled this for myself. I didn't realize I wanted to know the truth after watching this episode. Um, Christopher's father, Dickie Maltisanti, he got, he, he died. He got whacked a while back. Right. And so, you know, years and years ago when Chris was really little, when he was a baby 
and Tony knew his father and whatnot when Tony was like a young teenager. I'd say, I don't know how many years are different between uh, what, how many, uh, what the difference is between Tony and Chris. I want to say it's got to be 15 ish years, maybe 20 ish years or something. No, it's got to be like 15 years. I'd say it's 15 years. It's like, it's, it's too, they're, they're too close in age for Tony to actually biologically have possibly could have been Chris's father. Like Tony was probably a teenager when Chris was born, but at the same time, they're too, there's too much of an age gap for Chris to be like a little brother. So it's kind of like this nephew uncle sort of thing, even though Christopher is like a third cousin to Carmela. that's, that's the actual familial connection. But Tony treats Christopher like he's blood because he has this idea that the only way that he is going to be okay is if he uses Christopher as the sole, you know, conduit between him and all of his crime. So the idea is that, you know, uh, by trusting someone who is blood, he will not, he will shield himself, you know, because he's talking, if he talks to too many people, that's that every person that Tony confides in and speaks to is a potential, you know, pitfall if they're compromised. If he consolidates all of his business dealings and all of his orders and all of his tasks to one person, then he can secure a, a position as the head of the family and make himself that much more untouchable because all he's got to worry about is one guy versus a bunch of guys. And I suppose, and we know what happens to Chris later in the in the in the show, unrelated to this, but I suppose maybe in the back of, of Tony's mind that that maybe um if things go were to go downhill with Christopher that it would be the only line he would have to sever between him and being a crime boss so there's the macabre side of that too Christopher is meant to be the conduit of all the good and all of the bad and Tony has selected him and he starts talking about this with Melfi he has selected Christopher to be his full proxy and he tells Christopher he says listen you're about to get moved up. It's going to happen slowly. Silvio is kind of his number two, and he has to sort of circumvent Silvio, but he's got to do it in a political kind of way. It's really interesting stuff, man. Really interesting sort of like, you know, underworld mob politics. And so, but what Tony doesn't realize is that Christopher is compromised by the heroin. And, you know, even more, more so than that. But Tony does something so under, like one of the worst things that Tony has done, Tony does a lot of bad stuff a lot of bad stuff in uh in this show one of the most despicable things i think he ever did to ensure um this rock solid bond of loyalty between him and christopher he pretends to give christopher and the reason why i say pretend is because we find out in the prequel which i have not watched yet but like i said i googled it because i was shocked i was like because they it's it's left very ambiguous in the in this episode tony shows Chris the guy who who murdered his father who happens to be a retiring police officer who was also an informant and because he was retiring he was no longer valuable to the family and therefore could be whacked and obviously that was true but the, but um in order to ensure loyalty to Christopher he lies to him and he tells him this is the guy who murdered your father and that's not true but it instills such emotion such a sense of like awe for Tony like that he would walk through hell for Tony, as he says many times throughout the season. 
he, it's it's so manipulative. It's so fucked up what he does to. It's such a fucked up thing to do to a dude. This is the guy who mur- so he has Christopher murder a guy who did not who was not a hitman for the mob and also an undercover police or also a police officer. He was a police officer who would moonlight as a as a guy who did hits for the mob. At least that's what how Tony makes him out to be. And Chris goes to his house and kills him. And it's really it's really brutal, man. And that's when I Googled. I was like, I have to know. I was like, did that guy? And as it turns out, as it turns out, if you have not seen the many saints in New York, it's been out for a while. So uh, spoilers, if you have not seen it, uh, it is actually uh, Uncle Junior. Junior Soprano is the one who orders the hit or hit hits Dickie Maltisanti. And Christopher never finds out. And I don't even know if Tony knows. I suppose Tony must know. But the fact that Tony would keep that from him and manipulate him in such a devastating way, such a devastating way. I, I mean, really uh, friggin' upsetting, man. Friggin' upsetting. Um, let's move on because we have some ground to cover. The next episode is no show. And um, Meadow becomes super depressed over Jackie Jr.'s death. Because remember, Jackie Jr. gets whacked by Vito in the last season. At the orders of his, you know, surrogate stepdad, kind of, in 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 Ralphie. I mean, Ralphie isn't really his stepdad. I'd say Tony is more of a father figure to him than that. And Tony's just trying to keep him out of trouble. And it's just a bummer. And Tony and Carmela, they're worried. They're worried for uh, Meadow. She hasn't registered for classes. She decides she wants to go to Europe with a friend. They go back and forth. And it's just more... More of the same, you know, trying to parent their daughter while also being involved with the, the mafia. This is also when we really start to see the relationship develop between Carmela and Furio. Furio is the Italian, uh, the rock solid Italian guy who came over from the old country to be in Tony's crew uh, as a means of compensate additional compensation for the 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 um, carjacking. Uh, exotic car export business that they have with the old family in Italy. And Furio is interesting. He's ruthless, but he also has like a, a, a romantic sensitive side to him. Uh, he's also has a sense of honor. I like Furio a lot, actually. And I just love how he like slowly embraces being uh, 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 immigrant. I believe they call them zips. I don't know if that's pejorative and I apologize if it is, but a zip is uh, is an Italian fresh from the uh fresh from the old country as like a an, an immigrant uh immigrate over to whatever uh new jersey um so carmela and furio are essentially having what i guess i would classify as an emotional affair right like they're not physically cheating we do know that carm did share a kiss with uh with uh brother-in-law of davy um what's his face uh, in I think that was in season two, but other than that, Carmela has been, as far as we know in the show, Carmela has been, you know, faithful to Tony, and all of this is going to come to a head at the end of the season, which we'll talk about. Um, just excellent, excellent stuff. Um, you know, Ralphie and Janice, they're still doing their thing, and and Tony does not like that Ralphie and Janice are together. Um. Christopher ends up moving up temporarily. He becomes the acting capo of Polly's crew while Polly's in prison. And, uh, you know, Patsy, he doesn't like that. And um, because he's been made, he's been a made man longer than Christopher yet. Christopher's moving up and we know why that is Silvio 
you know, thinks that Christopher is going to start to usurp his own place in Tony's circle. And he starts to get resentful and he starts doing little things to undermine Tony and Tony gets pissed about it. Um, and it has to do with like the, 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 the construction, no work jobs and no work job um, is sort of like uh, it's basically a paid position that where you don't have to end you don't have to do anything. And that's what it's like a very valuable tool for organized crime. It's a way of, of demonstrating revenue. Um, you know, it's a way it's kind of like a money laundering technique, I guess. Cause like, this is where my money is coming from when in reality it's coming from crime. So no work jobs are very valuable on like, you know, on c construction sites. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they get into this whole thing about that. He gets into a whole thing with, uh, Christopher, uh, Tony gets into a whole thing with Christopher because they are, they are stripping these sites for valuable, you know, construction materials. And, um, it's really pissing off New York because New York is also going joint. That's a huge thing. And it's a huge point of contention. New York shares all of this construction crime that they do like these, these, these sort of things. Um, they share that with the New Jersey crew and hitting the sites for construction materials. It brings heat that they don't want. And, you know, the on-site guy, he's like complaining to Tony about it. And Silvio, like he, he basically allows this to continue under, under Tony's nose. And Tony gets pissed about it that they end up stealing some tiles. It's a whole thing. Um, there's a dinner party that happens. This is a big, this is a big point of contention too. Ralphie, he makes uh, a, a nasty joke about Ginny, who's Ginny Sack, Johnny Sack's wife, about her her weight. And um, whilst in prison, little Polly, he tells Polly Walnuts the joke when he's visiting him in prison. He tells him about the joke that he heard. Obviously, Johnny Sack was not there when the joke was made. L little Polly was though, and Polly ends up repeating the joke not repeating the joke, he tells Johnny Sack, hey, don't don't mind them, They're th those nasty jokes about Ginny. So that's how it gets back to Johnny Sack. So Polly Walnuts, who's upset that Tony's not really paying attention to him while he's in prison, he, um, he ends up kind of leaking a lot of information to New York, and they can't figure out why it's happening, and it's, it's a source of contention and whatnot. It's interesting how all these little... There are all these like little things that that blow up into big things with these guys. You know, in the case of Johnny Sack, you know, this off color joke is worth Ralphie's head. And Ralphie is one of the best earners. Ralphie's bringing in three million dollars a year with these construction contract things. And that's why Ralphie gets away with so much, because he's such a he's such a good earner. He's such a good earner. I, I can't do it, man. I, my my friggin. My, uh, my, my, uh, what you call it? My, my James Gandolfini is not good. I try, I try. It doesn't work. Um, Adriana has turned the police informant Danielle into her confidant. I mean, she's telling her all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, uh, Chris tries to enact a, a threesome with them and, and Adriana gets pissed and because he puts a hand on Danielle's thigh, um, uh, Danielle learns from Adriana that she might not be able to have children. Adriana might not be able to have children because of a, uh, an abortion that she had when she was young. Um, Christopher eventually finds out and flies into a rage over this. That happens a little bit later. We'll talk about that. Um, 
eventually it happens way earlier than I thought. Um, Adriana learns that Danielle is actually an agent and they take her to meet with Frank. He's the chief of the FBI. We see, we've seen him over the seasons and um, they try to threaten her with imprisonment over drug stuff like the cocaine that, that, that uh, Chris is using. And um, they try to get her to cooperate. And so begins what is a longstanding thing that happens to Adriana all the way until she dies. Uh, she has she basically develops a very weak constitution in her stomach and she throws up everywhere. It's such a it's such an intense moment. You can feel the stress oozing off of her because she just is like just Ralph's everywhere. And it's I don't know, it's it's kind of it's kind of depressing, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. Um, there's a whole episode about Christopher Columbus. Now I just want to say, you know, I'm not here to weigh in on Christopher Columbus at all. Um, I, uh, an Italian friend of mine who I will, will remain anonymous, explained to me what Christopher Columbus means to Italians apart from all the problematic things about Christopher Columbus. And, um, I understand why, you know, it's not so much about Columbus as it is. It's a source of Italian pride because as we previously discussed, as I discussed, I don't know, maybe it was in season two or whatever. The thing about Italians, Italians are white people until they're in a room with other white people. And then they're not white people anymore. They're Italian. It's the same thing with Jews. It's, it's like, this is like a common thread that is shared, you know, and I know if you're a Jew, I know, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, I've observed about Italians, uh, and from what I've heard from personal experience from other Italians. So it's kind of interesting how, you know, this is a, you know, in a way they are there, they are also a, a community of immigrants and this is a point of pride for them. Uh, so despite, you know, the fact that Columbus was a, you know, genocidal monster that, you know, we've come to know and the sensitivity towards um, Native American, uh, you know, Native Americans and how they feel about about um, Columbus, that there is this sort of, you know, there was a, you know, there was a massacre of Italians that happened like in the early 20th century. And that's, I think, when Columbus Day really sort of became a thing because it was a way of demonstrating we care about our Italian population. And so in the episode, it's a, I just, that's like a little bit of a backstory of what is about to happen in this episode. In this episode, Silvio, whose father was something known as a Knight of Columbus, which was also, I guess, problematic as we learned in the episode um, for a bunch of reasons I'm not going to get into right now, but Silvio, uh, you know, he's like spearheading, this whole this whole you know blowback against uh native american uh protest and whatnot uh against columbus day and it's a very interesting it's kind of like a, a contained bottle episode it's not a bottle episode bottle episode is when it's in one location but it's a very contained episode that sort of meditates on uh national identity and 
you know, um, heritage and just all sorts of stuff. And they, they talk briefly about Iron Eyes Cody, who, you know, you know him from those commercials. He's the crying Native American who sees all the trash. It was like supposed to be, it was a campaign for, you know, uh, anti-littering campaign that, that was around in the 60s and 70s. And it turns out Iron Eyes Cody um, is actually an Italian-American figure. And this came out, this is like a real thing. And, um, you know, they try to, that, that gets mentioned, that gets, that, that gets brought up in the episode. And that's also pretty interesting as well. Um, they lean on that assemblyman, Ron, uh, Ronnie to try and, you know, figure out a way to, you know, sort of, uh, neutralize some of the anti-pro the, the protesters there's protesters and then there's the anti-protesters. So you have the Columbus day parade, you have the native American protesters, and then you have the anti native American protesters, the anti-protesters protesting the native Americans who are protesting Columbus day. And they have, they have spats in the streets and Tony doesn't like the way that it perceived, you know, it's interesting. Sopranos, how the Sopranos really does sort of tackle the ugly side of race relations between a lot of, different um communities uh if if you know what i mean um yeah in any case uh it's this whole thing about italian pride and there there's a luncheon that happens and it's led by that father that, that who's like a who's like a mooch that we that we met in season one i think it is and they're pretty upset because um uh, the Italian culture that's being discussed is, is, is like there, there, there's like this whole thing about like wanting to disassociate Italian culture from, uh, you know, mob stereotypes and they happen to be mob wives and they're pretty pissed about, they're pretty pissed at, at the father about that. So that goes into a, a whole thing. Um, they start talking about, they start talking about, um, profits that are made from uh tony sold some real estate tony eventually gave money to junior in exchange for property based on financial advice he got from brian carmela's cousin um about buying land and tony made some profit in a shared district zoning district between the new york family and the and the jersey family new york wants the Jersey family to pay to, wants Tony to compensate them because they should get a piece as well. And it started another, another little pin of contention between everybody. And all of this is building and brewing. And it's amazing how the Sopranos do it. They're so they, they do it so subtly, you know? Uh, and this is also when, you know, Johnny, Johnny knows now of Ralphie's joke and he becomes very, very hostile towards Ralphie and Ralphie doesn't understand why this is also the episode when bobby jr's wife karen is killed in a road accident uh and leads to a really tender culmination for bobby jr um later in the season that will we we will touch on uh she's killed in a road accident it's very very sad and uh they 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 mention that you know bobby's one of the only ones that doesn't have a guma you know, Aguma is the, the mistress, the mob girlfriend that all mob wives pretend doesn't exist, but they know does. It's part it's part of the life. You become the bearer of the children. You you are the the female figurehead of the family of, of the mob mob family, not the mob family, the, the individual mobsters family. But all the uh, you know, all the sex stuff uh, basically dries up. And that happens with the, the Gumas, the girlfriends. 
And Tony even talks about the, the old school way was you take your wife out on Friday night and you take your guma out on Saturday night. Well, he's not really sure what the order is. And um, so, but Bobby Jr. loved his wife so much that he never took a guma. And all, it's funny, all of the, uh, all of the mob wives, including Janice, who's not a mob wife, but she's, you know, sort of, you know, looped into all that. Um, it, they're, they're all touched by this, this notion. Um, Janice and Ralphie are now living together. Ralphie had left Rosalie when she was mourning her son. Cause he's just a ginormous asshole. And um, Janice, who also has a therapist realizes that she needs to break up with Ralphie because she just keeps going after the same kind of man, you know, psychotic, crazy men, Richie April, then Ralphie. And she, um, she pushes him down the stairs when he tracks his shoes into her house, into her mother's house, Libya's house. And, um, and that's the end of, of, of Janice and Ralphie, which a really destructive thing. And we also learn that Ralphie is into some real kink and he likes to be, he, he, he likes, uh, he likes to, I don't know. How do I say this nicely? Um, he likes to be as, as Janice puts it later on, Ralphie tops from the bottom. So if you know what a top is and you know what a bottom is, Ralphie likes being a bottom and Janice, you know, basically using, she's just using, a, she's not strapped on or something, but they, yeah, they have some, they have a kink. They have like a, so it's interesting. So how they, whatever they have their whole thing, but she knows all that stuff. Right. Um, as things continue, Johnny, is so furious over uh, uh, Ralphie's joke. And he decides to basically take out a hit on Ralphie. He goes to Carmine asking for permission. And, um, you know, and it begins when he thinks Ralphie's crew, one of the guys in Ralphie's crew is laughing about this joke. He's just paranoid, you know, because again, with these mob guys, it's all about, it's all about respect. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, and perception. And if you are perceived as weak in any kind of way, it could eventually lead to your end. So you always have to present this strong front. So when 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 Johnny sees a guy from Ralphie's crew laughing at him, laughing for no reason, he doesn't know why he's laughing, he beats the crap out of him. And that eventually leads to this further rage over, you know, um, Ralph, the joke that Ralphie made. And so Johnny asks Carmine. To, to put a hit on Ralph, uh, Ralphie and Carmine doesn't want to do it, which also leads to further resentment from Johnny later on down the road. Um, there are sit downs and, um, you know, eventually Carmine offers is like, I'll tax him really bad. And a tax, I guess, is where you have to pay money over in restitution. He wants to pay, he wants to tax him 200 grand, which is a lot of money. Uh, but Johnny remains inflexible and it's starting to affect business and work because Johnny needs to be able to communicate with Ralphie. And so what's funny is this thing that seems to not be a big deal at all and something that they should be able to, they should be able to like move past is actually a big deal because it affects working relationships. Work is affected and then business is affected, right? It all ties together. It all of it ties together. So, you know, um, have a great day, Aaron. Um, all it ends up affecting everything. So that 
Sorry. So um, Carmine, who doesn't like that Johnny Sack is, you know, acting how he fe he feels that Johnny Sack is acting uh, incoherently. And Carmine alludes to Tony that, you know, Johnny Cannon should probably be killed to just clear the wreckage so that they can keep making money and everything can be done. That's a thing. Above all, there is no, you know, what's funny about mobsters, these mob guys, they are loyal. They are loyal up to a point. You know what that point is? When you start fucking with money, because money is the ultimate thing in these mob guys in the show. I'm not referring to real mobsters. I don't know what the deal is. I'm just talking about in the Sopranos. Money is the, is the ultimate thing. If something gets in the way of earning and making money, then that something needs to be moved. And in some cases, that something has to be whacked. And so Carmine is willing and, and ready to have his underboss whacked, you know, just so that they can keep the things going. At, at the same time, Johnny Sack wants to whack Ralphie while he's in Miami. And it ends up, he ends up not going through with it, but it comes very, very close. Very, very, very close. And at the same time, Tony starts the uh, moving the wheels of whacking Johnny when he's going up for a trip to Boston. They're going to use these old school guys to do it. We also get um, more. We, we also get more in depth with Johnny and Ginny's relationship. Ginny, who's overweight. We don't know. I guess Johnny does have gumas and stuff, but Johnny loves his wife. He doesn't care about her weight. And there's this really touching moment where Johnny finds Ginny's stash of junk food. And at first he's really angry, but then he reminds her, he's like, look, I never wanted you to lose weight. I don't, it's really touching. Um, and he's instead, he's more upset that she lied to him. And they have this really great, they have this really great sort of reconciliation in their relationship that I guess had gone unspoken. You know, communication is a beautiful thing. And as a result of that, as a result of that, you know, that realization with his wife, he ends up calling off the hit uh, against Ralphie and then accepts Ralphie's apology. And then in turn, Tony calls off the hit on him. So everybody's lives get saved. Ralphie and Johnny were both going to get whacked for this. Uh, Meadow joins, you know, she's starting to feel, you know, more like herself after uh, Jackie Jr.'s death, and she wants to get involved with this uh, like legal aid organization that helps um, underprivileged clients in the South Bronx. Uh, Tony doesn't like it. Um, he he would prefer that she's a pediatrician, obviously. Maybe symbolically, he doesn't like his daughter drifting to that side of the law. It would be kind of interesting to see like a movie where the daughter, a, a mobster's daughter, becomes a lawyer and it like becomes, um, you know, it creates this sort of conflict of interest. Probably a very Shakespearean sort of idea. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Carmela and Tony uh, continue to argue about finance stuff, and um, she's really just continuing to feel furio. They're they're getting closer and closer. Um, he bought a house, and she wants to help like decorated and stuff. And um, when he has a housewarming pres uh, housewarming party, um, there's this really sort of nice moment of Carmela and Furio doing like a traditional Italian dance. 
and you could just see the 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 emotional bond between them slowly developing but always from a distance because that such things cannot be as the you know Carmela is the the wife of a mobster it's funny the double standards tony can do whatever he wants but god forbid carmela steps outside of their marriage too it's unfair and it really it's it's slowly it's boiling it's boiling and it culminates in in a one of the best moments of the Sopranos yet, uh, as I'm doing this rewatch, um, they do have Tony and Carmela briefly do sort of stop fighting about finances long enough for uh, them to, to to sleep together, which they do not ever do. It never happens. So it's like, it's sort of nice, but she she's thinking about furio and when they were dancing the whole time you know she's she's got furio in in her in her mind and you know that's a sticky situation and you know what else is sticky riot stickers yes riot stickers are the official sponsor of the from channel and we're here to tell you today about riot stickers uh i also want to tell you about the contest we are doing we are doing a contest and i should have told told you about it at the beginning but i forgot this is going to be a really difficult contest uh let me tell you about it real quick i'm going to tell you about that first then we'll do riotstickers.com uh back to back how about that maybe that's a good way to do it i'm going to be doing a live show every single day i'm going to be giving away a t-shirt at the end of every episode i will ask my trivia question you will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways. Who doesn't like a free t-shirt? I'm not going to go easy on any of you. I'm going to ask really hard questions. So be prepared. All right, so that's it, right? So now you know what the deal is. Now you know what the deal is. Now let me finish telling you about riotstickers.com. So stick around. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for the, the, the trivia question to win yourself a chance to win yourself a free T-shirt. Riotstickers.com. You can get 1,000 stickers for $79. That's $0.07 cents per sticker. You go to riotstickers.com uh, backslash from us. Link is down in the description below. Check it out. Um, and, uh, we'll play the little theme song. And while that's happening, I'm going to race upstairs and try and refresh in my coffee before the, 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 the commercial finishes. So hopefully I can do that. Ready? Think I can do it. Think I can do it. Let's find out. I'm back, man. I'm fast and furious. I, I had time to spare. So there we go. Okay, let us continue. Let us continue. We meet Pio Mai. Pio Mai is a horse that Ralphie buys at first, and then Tony 
also buys this, or, or he goes in with Tony on the horse. They, but eventually Tony becomes kind of the primary caretaker. They go kind of Dutch about it. And we see that Ralphie and Tony are starting to become best friends. And we also see how Ralphie we're sort of made to think that Ralphie is kind of an okay guy, but Ralphie is a fucking monster. Remember what he did to Tracy in the last season? He, he, he whacked Jackie Jr. Ralphie is a bad dude, but Tony loves him. Tony's all about it. So this is like why Tony is ultimately a horrible person. He is a terrible, horrible person. He's not the hero of the story, okay? Tony is a terrible dude who is walking around with a dude who beat uh, uh, a girl to death, a 20 year old girl to death that was pregnant with his unborn child. Okay. He is a terrible human being, but they are super close because Ralphie keeps making him money. And money is, as we just said, if you're making money, then you are good and everything is good and life is good with you and nothing bad will happen to you. You can't even get whacked. Carmine doesn't even want to have you whacked because you are making money. Um, Adriana, her club, remember the club crazy horse? She's like slowly like seeing how the club is becoming. The, it's slowly becoming, you know, more of a mob hangout than her club. And it's it's bothering her. Um, the the FBI are trying to really do their best to flip her and being like, hey, what do you think happened to Richie, your uncle and pussy? You really think that they are in witness protection? They're not in witness protection. We can't find any record of them. And so she starts to slip a little bit. She gives a little information about Patsy. And, you know, she also starts to, you know, she starts to, her lips start to loosen. And when she gets back home, she decides to tie it off and uh, uh, do a shot of Chris's heroin. Um, Janice has set her sights on Bobby and his family, but not in like, you know, not in like a bad way. She's manipulative in how she goes about it, but it's not because she wants to exploit them. I think she just realizes this is what I want in my life. I want to be, you know, a wife and I want to be a mother to some children, even though she has a son that she kind of like, who knows what happened with that whole thing. Um, and, you know, there are other widows that are trying to insinuate themselves with their frozen, you know, their frozen meals there. As we, and when we have Shiva in the Jewish, in this Jewish faith, when somebody dies in someone's family, everybody comes around, they pay a Shiva call. And what Shiva is, you know, you bring food because the last thing you want to do is you don't want to think about food. So you bring food and it's like the same thing in Italian culture. Everybody brings over some, you know, uh, a, a ZD, a this, a that or whatever. So all the widows of the mobsters are doing that for Bobby because they see a, a place to insert themselves. But Janice is trying to keep them all at bay, you know, and she ends up uh, she ends up sliding in there with one of Carmela's uh, famous lasagnas and pretends that it's her own. And Bobby loves it. And um you know, she's trying to slowly help Bobby. So she's doing it for selfish reasons, but she's not doing it to like hurt Bobby or the children. She just wants to be there. She wants to be in there. And, you know, I mean, Bobby, Bobby and Janice make a lot of sense. Bobby looks after Janice's uncle. Um, and, you know, she's also related to Tony. It's like, it's a, it makes sense. Janice is a good fit in whatever, but Bobby is so heartbroken over Karen. It's really sweet how much he loves his wife and like how he mourns her and stuff. And like, I just felt so badly. I feel so, so badly for, um, uh, for, for Bobby, you know, 
Um, and he's just not very helpful to Junior, who's a little annoyed with Bobby. But I mean, come on. I mean, Junior, who doesn't have any family. I mean, doesn't, doesn't never took a wife, doesn't have any kids, at least kids that we know about. Um, Tony and Carmela are still really upset about, you know, uh, finances. It comes back. It, st it starts to bubble again. Uh, she wants him to sign a life insurance policy. He signed all the other papers for like investment stuff that she wants to get involved in via her cousin, Brian. But Tony doesn't want anything to do with it. Tony is a he's old school. He believes in cash in the mattress, cold, hard cash. But she's like, look, our money isn't growing. Money should be growing. And it's not. And that's a shame. Um, and so he ends up doing, you know, he ends up doing uh, the race. He ends up doing the racetrack thing. And uh, with, with Ralphie uh, and the racehorse. And so pie in my eye is, is doing really well in races and he's sharing the winnings with Tony and Tony wants more and more of, uh, of a bigger cut every time. And there's this really awkward scene where, where Ralphie is, where Ralphie is, um, you know, handing over the uh, money to Tony and Tony just keeps his hand out because he wants more money. It's like really, I felt awkward in that situation. Um, but Piomai has like veterinarian concerns and stuff like, you know, the bills are piling up and, and everything. And uh, eventually Piomai gets very sick and, you know, uh, Ralphie just sort of like abandons Ralphie abandons the, the horse. Cause Ralphie is a psychopath, but Tony, what's interesting about Tony is Tony can be ruthless with human beings. And they talk about that later in the season with uh, Melfi. He talks about that with Melfi, but when it comes to animals, it's the same with the ducks. It, he gets super upset when he finds out that Chris kills Adriana's uh, dog um, while he's on heroin. Uh, Tony has an affinity for animals. That's how Tony can express his emotion through his relationships with animals, not with people. And so he ends up like, hanging out with Piomai, who has a friend has a goat friend i guess like horses have to have horses can have animal friends it's kind of really sweet so he like sits he sits in the uh stall with Piomai. so we see how all of tony's compassion and empathy really gets expressed through his relationship with animals um tony also finds out that gloria remember gloria from last week that beautiful uh intoxicating woman um, the, the, the Mercedes agent, Gloria, uh, she has unalived herself and Tony is just devastated and he gets furious with Dr. Melfi who did not tell him because Dr. Melfi knows, and he's, he feels super guilty about it. And it, it's, it's really friggin' sad what happened to Gloria. She really did have a death wish at the hands of Tony. And it's just, um, I don't know. It's very, very upsetting. AJ gets a girlfriend, Devin, and uh, he's kind of intimidated by how wealthy her family is. And, um, you know, his friends who know that his father, who his father is, they're like, why don't you have like more mob money? And he doesn't have an answer. It kind of goes nowhere. AJ, all of AJ's plot lines, they kind of go nowhere. They're just in the background. Um, I don't know. I, I could uh, AJ is the one of the most uninteresting characters to me, uh, unless it has to do with his relationship to Tony, because then it's about the father son thing. So that's kind of interesting. And this is when um, so so this is also when Christopher learns that Tony wants to make him his proxy. And he and Tony puts all of his faith. He doesn't know that Christopher is high on heroin. 
when when he's having this talk with him. But he basically is putting all of his faith in Christopher, and he thinks that Christopher will help take the family into the 21st century. And uh, Christopher, he's deeply honored, but you know the the heroine compromises him. Um, we get a storyline with Artie, who again, I'm like, I don't remember what happened to Artie, and I am so scared. I, I want to Google it to like kind of check. I've been kind of doing that a little bit with some of the characters. Cause like I said, I've watched the show, but it's been so many years. So this is like a fresh rewatch for me. I'm so afraid something bad is going to happen to Artie. I don't know what is going to happen. I just like something tells me, cause I don't remember him at the end of the show. Maybe he's around. Um, he gets a new French hostess, uh, Elodie that he absolutely is enamored with. And uh, he had, and she has a brother, Jean-Philippe who tells Artie about a really solid investment, but he needs a $50,000 bridge loan. And um, that will allow him to conclude a deal to distribute a French liquor in the United States. Artie goes to Tony to get, uh, to get a loan. At first he goes to Ralphie, who Ralphie, the one time, the one time Ralphie, Ralphie does something wise and smart. He he tells Artie because he I think he knows he knows about the you know Artie's relationship with Tony, and he doesn't want he doesn't want to put Tony in he doesn't want to put Artie in a bad position. He says, "I'm not going to lend you the money because it's like so it's fifty thousand dollars plus seven thousand dollars for the risk or whatever." That's what that's what um, Artie asks. Meanwhile, they're they're really constrained for money um his wife uh charmaine Char charlene or charmaine i forget her name she's upset his ex-wife she's mad because she's like she's like tony's hasn't paid his 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 tab you know he's he's into Artie for six seven large funny how when you're not a made guy it doesn't really it doesn't really matter how much a mob guy is into we see this in goodfellas too the unpaid tab uh, in Goodfellas with uh, with Tommy, uh, Joe Pesci's character. In any case, Artie ends up getting the money from Tony. And like, I'm biting my nails because like, I'm, I'm trying to remember what happened. I'm going, God, this is so, because we've seen what's, what, what really informs this plot point is what happened with Davey and the boxes of ZD in season two. We know how Tony gets, even with friends over money. He's ruthless. Is he going to do that to Artie? And I guess actually what I was saying before, you know, he basically, he basically, you know, he loves Artie and, you know, this is not enough. You know, what ha ends up happening is uh, Jean-Philippe, he ends up just uh, shitting the bed on the whole deal. 10 days pass. Jean-Philippe is not answering his phone. Artie confronts him over the issue. And we see how Artie is just so, you know, even though he's Italian, like the rest of those guys, he is not a made guy. He doesn't have it in his blood. He is, he is Artie. Um, and Artie is Artie and that's it. Um, Jean-Philippe reveals that the deal has failed, right? The deal has failed and he does not have the money and he's not going to get the money. And that's business. Artie is flips out on him. Rightfully so, because I mean, like, he could potentially get killed by Tony. He's got his restaurant. He's got to hand over his restaurant to Tony. Who knows? Um, eventually, uh, Artie ODs on uh, alcohol and pills, and he calls Tony to apologize, and he offers him the restaurant. 
I, I got to tell you, of all the things that you do, of all the things that we see characters do when they're into the mob for money, it's like Artie kind of takes the best approach. He's so upfront with Tony, but even before we find out that the deal isn't going to happen, Tony is uh, uh, Artie is updating Tony, and you get the fe you feel the tension, you feel the tension there, and it's like I'm so afraid for Artie, and. When um, Tony realizes that Artie was going to potentially unalive himself, he calls 911. And at the hospital, he says, look, just clear my tab and we'll forget about the loan. Because Tony loses out on 50 grand. And it's the one time, the one time where Tony like lets money go because he loves his friend. And I think also, you know, they love Vesuvio. They love eating there. It's their hangout spot. There's a lot of business reasons why it would be bad to get rid of Artie for Tony. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Artie doesn't know things. You know, Artie knows that these guys are connected. He is sensitive to the fact that they need a space and he provides that for them. But at the same time, he doesn't know shit. So he's not someone who could really be compromised. And he's kind of like the perfect shield in Tony's life. So you could see why Tony would be so quick to sort of like, like forgive something like that. You know what I mean? Um, Artie then says something that angers Tony. He says uh, he thinks that he's, he admires Tony that in that he thinks Tony could foresee that the deal would go bad and that he'd be able to profit from it. But the observation makes Tony really upset, like really, really upset. And we get this little button on the end of the episode. Cause that John Philippe guy really pissed me off. Like who the fuck does he think he is? you know, scamming, scamming made guys like, don't you know, like don't do deals with the devil and just think you could walk away from it. And we see Furio sent to the apartment to collect the debt from Jean-Philippe. And you just, you don't have to see what happens. Cause you just know, you know, what's going to happen. And it's, it's, uh, it's the perfect way to end the episode and, and let that guy get his just desserts, especially after the way he treated Artie. Artie was ready to sacrifice his restaurant to Tony. Cause he knows, he knows how this he knows how this all works, and that's it. Um, then we see Adriana figure out that from watching TV crime drama that she cannot be forced to testify against um, her, her her spouse. So she wants to get married to Christopher, but she also relieves, uh, re reveals, sorry, reveals that um that she can't have kids and christopher flies into a rage and he beats on her maybe that happens later Fuck, i'm trying to remember um in any case you know christopher agrees and they're gonna they're off to be married but she learns later on that she can totally she she can totally be made to testify against her husband she goes to a a, a, a like a low-rate lawyer who confirms this and at the bridal shower um she's just like very unenthusiastic about opening up her, all of her bridal gifts. This should be a really happy time for her, but she knows that like she has so much hanging over her head and this, this attempt she's doubling down by marrying Christopher. That's what she's doing. She's like doubling down and everything. It's so, it's so friggin' sad. When in reality, she just needs to get out of Dodge, man. She just needs to get out of Dodge. Um, Furio uh, reaches out to Carm on the phone because he wants to tell her about this pretty picture of her that, that she has at the housewarming um, and realizes that he's just flying too close to the sun, man. And he's playing with, he's playing with dynamite and he, that could potentially get him killed. And as well as again, having a sense of honor 
And so, you know, we start to see Furio not show up in the morning because Carmella loves it when Furio shows up every morning. It's this one moment that where they get to sort of share uh, their admiration for each other. She always checks her hair. She offers him coffee. You know, she offers him pastries and stuff. And now Furio is, is he's pulling back and she senses it. And it's really dis- distressing her. You know, it really, really distresses her. Um, Brian, Carmela's cousin, uh, d- basically uh, explains this really great scheme for how that has to do with housing. It's very complicated and um, so we get this whole sort of contained episode about how they're going to profit off of these houses. And we basically get to see the levels of crime and poverty and how everything works. We get to see corruption firsthand, you know, for, through nonprofits and, um, you know, the, the, cr- the, the, the drug crime on the street. And it basically the whole episode begins and ends with. Uh, so Ronnie, the, the, the councilman that Tony's been doing business with, and they, they have a good rapport and relationship. He finds out that she is uh, sipping on his Kool-Aid, if, if you know what I mean. And if you don't know what I mean, basically, uh, Ronnie is hooked up with Irina, the, the Guma from all the way back, starting in season one, who's just been a thorn in Tony's side endlessly in so many different ways. But in this case, uh, Tony... He tells Tony, he's trying to come to Tony and be like, hey, you know, things between us have heated up and, you know, I, I, you know, I'm seeing her now. Is that okay? And Tony gives his blessing. But, you know, deep down inside, it does bother Tony, just tries to not allow allow it to bother him. Meanwhile, he's doing the exact same thing to Ralphie, or at least he's about to, as we we will see in a few moments. Uh, but the episode ends with Tony doing something very vastly different from any type of violence we've seen in the show. In front of Irina, he he unbuckles his belt and and basically whips him and says, of all the girls in New Jersey, you had to fuck this one. Meaning that, so on some level, whether it's like meant to show us that Tony still has feelings for Irina or not, it's just like you 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 don't rub another man's rhubarb <laughs> to quote uh, the Joker in uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker in Batman. One of my favorite lines, never rub another man's rhubarb. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a surprising scene. And uh, you know, I don't know. Also in, we also learn in this episode that, you know, Johnny's been telling Polly Walnuts that Carmine, the New York boss, um, thinks very highly of him. And this is putting the idea into Polly's mind of like, you know, if things go south with Tony. Maybe I can switch families. Cause I'm not really, I don't like the fact, I feel like these guys have not been very loyal to me and you know, they're not checking up on me when I'm in jail, when I'm in prison. And you know, just like, I, I, I think I can, he thinks he can make a ladder, a lateral move as they call it, where you're going from this side to this side. It's not a move forward per se, but it's a lateral move away from, what he is, you know, currently dealing with and, and whatnot. Um, and also we find out Johnny sack and Carmine find out about the deal that they do, uh, the, the, the housing scheme deal. And that turns into another, again, it's like all these points of contention, they keep building and building and building. Uh, and then we get some, a really funny episode. This is the, we get some curb your enthusiasm style stuff. And again, every time, every once in a while, and maybe I should do a top 10 about this. 
there are episodes of the Sopranos that easily could be self-contained feature length films that have nothing to do with the show. And this kind of maybe is one of them. Uh, Paulie's mother moves into uh, the green, green acres, retirement home, whatever it's called, green bridges, something, whatever. And um, it, in, living there are, are two of Paulie's mother's friends, cookie, I love Cookie. Cookie is so funny. Cookie, and then there's another. There's another one. There's Cookie and her friend, and they are bullies to Polly's mother. Polly goes to Chucky, a childhood friend that he grew up with, uh, trying to plead with Chucky to do something about Cookie, about his mother Cookie, who is just so mean, um, you know. And it just they go back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, uh, Polly six. Uh, Benny and little Polly uh, on Chucky because uh, Chucky is a principal at a high school and uh, they break his arm trying to trying to to to, to figure things out. Uh, Chucky's wife threatens Cookie saying, listen, you need to include Polly's mother, because if you don't, uh, something bad is going to happen to Chucky because we, you need to make peace with this woman. Uh, and it's just, it's so, the comedy is so superb. It's so fucking funny, man. Um, Furio's father dies and Carmela is thinking about him. He's thinking about her. Furio explains the whole situation to his uncle um, that he is in love with Carmela. So we learn straight up that we know that Carmela pines for Furio, but we see how mutual it is on the other side. And the uncle basically says, like, avoid this at all costs. The only way to have her would be to kill Tony. And Furio knows this to be true. So Furio is in this really tough spot where, you know, his heart, the heart wants what the heart wants. And at the same time, you know, he is a made man with, you know, allegiance and ties to Tony. And he's got to, you know, sort of keep it that way. Um. Tony starts to uh, begin this transition with Christopher. He's giving instructions to Christopher on a payphone, um, and then Christopher is dealing his the, the Tony's under under thoughts, you know, his underling thoughts out to to the crew. Um, and he doesn't like that. Uh, th there's a lot of micromanaging that's going on. Um, Tony also meets Ralphie's new girlfriend who is, again, the second stunning woman, uh, third stunning woman. There's a lot of stunning women, but this woman, she takes my breath away, Valentina La Paz, who is played, that's the one that's played by, um, she's a Sephardic Jewish and Russian Jewish woman. I mean, she is breathtaking. I got to, I'm trying to remember the name of the actress is named um, mm, Leslie Bega. Oh my God. She is stunning. And again, I apologize for perhaps uh, I don't usually talk this way uh, on live streams, but there are some great scenes with her. That's all I'm going to say. There are some really great scenes where we get to see the beauty of her full form. How about that? And I'm just in awe of this woman's beauty. And uh, she plays, she's Cuban Italian in, in the, uh, in the show, her character, but in real life, she is Sephardic Jewish and just, just stunning, stunning. Sephardic Jewish women, I should know because I married one. Sephardic Jewish women are just like breathtakingly beautiful. They are, there's something about them. 
And the same beautiful qualities that I love about my wife, I see in this woman, Valentina, uh, or the actress, Leslie uh, Bega in the show. Um, she works at a, the, the Valentina, she works at a picture framing company and she makes an arrangement for Tony. She's kind of coming on to Tony a little bit. And she's also got a playful side to her. She likes to fool around. Like she likes to like play pranks and stuff. Uh, which is uh, a type of sense of humor that really uh, sort of appeals to Tony. He he calls it the sense of humor of an eight-year-old. But she arranges uh, to have a painting of Piomai with Tony uh, in a painting, uh, commissions a painting for him or helps him to commission a painting. And they, you know, get the painting framed up. And of course, this is really just an excuse to start having an affair. And she wants to keep seeing him, but... Um, you know, Tony does not want to share her with Ralphie and is kind of disgusted by Ralphie so much so that he's not even really sure he wants to, you know, uh, get together, keep getting together with her. He tries to buy her off with like gifts and stuff. Um, but, you know, she's she basically she basically uh, assures him that 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 Ralphie's kinks um have led to them never actually having traditional missionary heterosexual sex. It's very kinky sort of sex sex that goes on, but it's not, you know, he he's, he's never been, he's never been in her, uh, at least according to her. And um, at the same time, Carmela finds a false fingernail that belongs to Valentina. It broke off and it landed in Tony's clothes she uses this as a means. She discovers Tony's uh, duck feed money that Tony has been hiding out in the backyard. And she takes $50,000 and invests, invests it in stocks like she wanted to. And then, you know, there's this whole game she plays with Tony. Uh, is there something you want to discuss? Because Tony realizes that he's, his money is missing, but he also knows that she found the fingernail. And he is terrified to cut, to be confronted about another affair after everything that's happened when he told Camilla that he was going to go straight and that there were going to be no more affairs. So it's, it's a, it's a thing where silence ensues. Um, next up is an episode that is like, Holy hell. It's, it's a, it's a brutal one. It is a brutal, brutal episode. And we get to see once again, it's a reminder of just how macabre and how, you know, uh, uh, violent these, these, these guys are, these made guys are, um, junior gets hospitalized and they start to like, they think that they, they think at first that maybe he is actually exhibiting signs of dementia. They're not really sure, but junior, you know, Junior still has his facilities and he's going to ex exploit that. Like secretly, they think that he might be having dementia. They're not sure. But Junior basically uses the dementia to, um, you know, extend, you know, the trial, the Rico trial that's going on with him. And, you know, he's just hanging out at the hospital and just sort of um, he's giving a really good performance to show um, to show that he has dementia. But again, like I said, he's actually starting to show and we know what happens to him. So it, maybe it really did. The doctor says the concussions can, can actually be the beginnings of what trigger dementia later on in life, you know, a jarring to the brain, just, just a, you know, and it's funny when I used to listen to Joe Rogan a lot, I don't anymore because I think he's an idiot. 
Um, he used to always talk about the mechanics of getting hit on the head and like the brain damage that can ensue from being punched in the, like the trauma, brain trauma and how bad it is for the body. And that gets kind of echoed here in the doctor saying like that this can trigger all sorts of stuff. And, but it, you know, juniors, juniors faking it, juniors faking it, but you know, we, we know the, the audience knows that something might really be happening. Uh, one of the saddest things that happens in the whole show, like really like devastatingly sad. And again, uh, I'm hypersensitive to this because I am the father of a seven-year-old boy who you've met, who you've seen on the show and whatnot, Jordan. Um, <clears throat> I get very hyperly sensitive to kids getting hurt. It really like gets, it gets, it's like my kryptonite dude, uh, real or imagined, obviously real, but even in, in movies and stuff, I get, I, I, I feel deeply when these things happen. Uh, we find out that Ralphie has a 12 year old son from a previous marriage. His name is Justin. He gets hit. Uh, in the chest with an arrow while playing Lord of the Rings with a friend and causes significant blood loss and brain damage. And uh, Ralphie is devastated. It's one of the few, if only times we see Ralphie not only sort of like repent for previous behavior, but like also we see how deeply emotional he can be. He is not 100% a sociopath, at least not in this one area. He starts to feel immense guilt and he wants to kind of redeem himself. He ends up meeting with Father Phil um, and he wants to establish a scholarship at Rutgers in Jackie Jr.'s name for $20,000, you know, because, you know, really solidifying his, his, you know, role in Jackie Jr.'s death. He, um, everybody feels sympathy for Ralphie. There's only one person who doesn't and that is Pauly. And the reason why is because his mom had a very traumatic prank phone call in the middle of the night. And Polly like sees right through and knows that it was, it was Ralphie who did it. So he is, he is very, very mad at Ralphie Ralphie who did the prank phone call in the first place, because he found out that it was Polly who had ratted him out to Johnny sack about the, 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 the Ginny, the Ginny fat jokes that he was making. Um, Mysteriously, there is a fire that breaks out at the stable where they keep Piomai. And Piomai, again, very sad. Piomai is so badly burned that the horse has to be euthanized. And Tony is just like beyond himself, just absolutely devastated. He suspects that it's Ralphie and he he goes to his house to confront him over uh, this this uh, suspicious timing of the fire, there's a $200,000 insurance payout um, that will cover all of the medical bills that his son, Justin, has. So we see that there is motive to do such a thing. Ralphie denies it at first, but Tony keeps pressuring him. They start talking about eggs. Ralphie tells him about how the secret to his eggs that Justin really likes is putting sour cream in the eggs which sounds interesting. I don't know if I would try it, but it sounds interesting. Um, the argument escalates and escalates and Ralphie eventually admits, he eventually admits that, that this is what happened, that, that he did commit the fire and that, that Piomai was a money pit and that he needed the money. You know, he needed the money for what he needed the money for. And it turns into a physical fight and Tony strangles Ralphie to death. And again, remember we talked about the first strangling back in season one. Again, another another uh, example of hand strangling. The idea of how like physically, it's not that it's physically impossible. It's just that it's never 
represented uh it's never represented right in shows the the, the amount of strength and the, the 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 length of time that it would take to actually permanently cause brain damage and and death from strangling is far longer than it's ever depicted in in movies and tv shows and we see it once again here with ralphie tony calls up christopher for help this is a uh this is one of those things where it's like nobody can find out that ralphie was whacked by tony not even his own crew so he calls christopher christopher's the only one because tony trusts him but christopher's high on heroin um tony finds out and Christopher tries to apologize for it, but Tony's upset. He's really upset. But what choices Tony have? But to like, here's a guy who he's entrusting with this murder he wasn't supposed to commit. He's got to. He's got to just work past his resentment against Christopher for using heroin because he needs him. He needs the guy. Uh, so begins one of the most uh, brutal scenes in The Sopranos. One of them. One of them, where we see these guys taking a friend, one of their friends, who they. Or, or acquaintances or whoever, one of their guys. And uh, one of the reasons why Tony couldn't kill Ralphie is that he's a made guy and that a hit, I guess Tony would be the one who could order the hit. So technically Tony might've been within his right to, to whack Ralphie, but Ralphie was earning a lot of money for New York and New Jersey. It was bad news to have Ralphie whack. That's why Ralphie was so untouchable. He was more untouchable than all the other untouchable guys because you're just earning so much money for the families. They dismember him. And now Chris has done this before. We saw, we've seen Chris do this and see, we saw Chris do this with Richie April, right? Christopher has done this business before. He is like an expert at dismembering bodies. So they, 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 they dismember him in the bathtub with a meat cleaver. Uh, and they, they take his severed head. They lift up his severed head and, and Christopher finds out that uh, Ralphie has, been wearing a toupee which i guess is brutally obvious when you see how bald he's just a bald fuck man and i'm not one to speak because i'm kind of uh, things with my hair as you can see why i'm growing my hair out so long i realize that this is potentially my last hurrah and uh yeah fuck i didn't think it would bother me i didn't think it would bother me and then it's when it starts happening to you and you don't think it could happen to you, you just realize that like, it's such a sign of getting older. It's so distressing. It really distresses me. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I, I, like I said, I'm just taking it out for one more ride while I have it, but I noticed I'm seeing it in my hairline. I'm seeing how thin it's starting to get. And it bums me out, dude. It bums me the fuck out. It's very thin on the camera, which is why I always wear this hat. Cause I just don't want it. I don't know. I just don't want, I don't want like those, those, those YouTube comments talking. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, why am I telling you this? I, I don't shouldn't even be saying this out loud. In any case, they see how bald Ralphie, <laughs> they see that he's super bald. It's a great little, it's a great little reveal on, on Ralphie. Um, and it just shows how brutal these guys are here, are these guys, these made men, and that's what they do. Like that's the, you know, it's in, in terms of Tony metaphorically being this bear, part of being a bear is ripping things apart with your hands. You know, Chris is like the little bear, you know, they're, they're, they're Yogi and boo-boo, Hey, boo-boo rip up this picnic, a basket. Um, they put his head in a bowling ball bag, which is just great because he's bald. Just, just great little you know notes and flourishes. They they dispose of the body in a in a rock quarry, and that's it. Um, Tony also never straight up admits 
to Chris that he was the one who killed Ralphie and Christopher doesn't really, you know, push the envelope on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, next up we have, um, we have, uh, Ralphie has been gone for about a week and Tony's trying to do his best to play along with it. You know, he, he keeps protect, he keeps calling, he keeps calling uh, uh, Ralphie up. We he knows the truth. He knows what he did, but he keeps calling him. Um, Rue Rue's here. Hey Rue, how are you, buddy? Rue, uh, he says Ralph has been bald since the go- uh, Goonies. Jo- Joey Pants. I forgot he plays one of the 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 mobs the mob guys the 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 sons of the mother in the Goonies. That's right. Joey Pants is such a great actor. He's also in a great episode of Tales from the Crypt as well. Um, uh, where am I? I'm losing my, I'm losing my, uh, my, my train of thought. Um, Silvio, Patsy and Albert, they all suspect, they all suspect that it was Tony who killed Ralphie over the horse. So it's like this open secret. Um, Johnny wants Tony. This is when things start to really heat up with New York. Johnny sack wants Tony to let him in on, on a scam surrounding the HUD. The HUD is that shared space that they both own. And Tony doesn't want to do it because the percentage is too high. Johnny makes threats. Um, Tony, he calls a key meeting with all the family members. And he's the one, he tells them, he thinks that Johnny had Ralphie killed uh, over the, either the HUD scam or the Ginny joke. Um, but, they don't have proof, so they shouldn't take action. It's a great way to sort of smooth everything over. Um, Tony tells Melfi about uh, how sad he was to lose Piomai. And Melfi, this is when Melfi starts to realize that he grieves more for animals, that he has more empathy towards animals than for humans. And um, the portrait that, that was commissioned uh, gets brought over to the Bada Bing, and Tony wants it destroyed. But Pauly loves the portrait again another like curved enth- Polly could have been in curved enthusiasm or he could have had his own mob show that was like curve your enthusiasm-esque a spin-off series and it's sad that that the real paul that Polly in real life is dead paul whatever his name is uh who was a real mob guy in real life Polly is the real deal and uh, apparently i was talking with my friend jeremy yesterday who uh, uh was telling me that that Paulie was like that in real life. That was that was who he really was to an extent, which makes me really want to listen to that Sopranos podcast with Michael Imper- Imperioli and uh, what's his face, uh, the guy who played uh, Bobby Junior, uh, Stephen something, Stephen something. They like tell stories about about Paulie. I kind of want to watch now. I got to watch the 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 show. So after I do my own commentary, I'll I'll listen to their their podcast commentary, that sort of thing. Um, so Paulie takes the painting, but he doesn't like the way that it hangs in his house because Paul, because Tony, Tony's eyes are always on him when he's watching sports. And we get to see the, the, the plastic wrapped couch that Tony said that Paulie sits on. It's really great. So Paulie has the painting modified, uh, to have Tony in like a Napoleon like uniform and he hangs it back up again, but it, it's still, he's still bothered. It doesn't do, it doesn't do any good furio returns from italy um he brings gifts for aj and meadow but 
He doesn't bring anything for Carmella. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that might be. He doesn't want to be in the house. He's starting to, like, separate and distance himself because of his feelings. It's really a sad romance between them. This emotional romance that can never truly blossom because of everybody's place within the family. Um, Carmella finds a reason uh the you know decorating of an apartment for for furio's mom because furio's mom is having lost furio's father is now going to come over to america so he's converting the garage into an apartment for her and so she she wants to help furio you know redecorate and that sort of thing um carmela has been telling rosalie about you know so we verbally hear from both of them how much they love each other because Rose, she tells Rosalie like about her stresses over Furio and that he's not really like warm to her anymore. And, you know, they both know what would happen if, if Tony found out. So, you know, it's sort of like, it's this, it's this ongoing languishing thing. Um, Tony, we get to see Tony's admiration of Svetlana, and she is the cousin of Irina, his guma, his ex-guma, the the with the one leg who gets into a whole thing with Janice. And she's now looking over Junior in place of Junior's current uh caretaker who who was brought there by Svetlana. And Tony just he just, I don't know, he just sees something in Svetlana. Svetlana, who is an immigrant. Uh, first generation immigrant just doing her best to like better her situation and how like she's just he just really likes her attitude and he starts to like he starts to see uh an attraction and a beauty in her despite the fact that you know maybe to someone like tony he might not find her desirable because she's missing a leg whatever uh they end up making it on junior's couch and um she doesn't, she has that fiance. She has a fiance and she's saying to Tony, listen, she's so, she's such a cool chick. I like Svetlana a lot. Great character. Um, she's like, look, this was fun for a one-time thing, but um, I, I'm not, we can't keep doing this. Uh, that nurse, that, that the regular nurse, she returns unexpectedly and sees that they clearly had just been fucking on the couch. And that's going to come back to bite Tony in the ass later on uh this is also the episode where christopher kills the dog um and it's like you know it it is such black comedy that's what it is the dog's name is corset <laughs> it's like a yap yap dog uh it's such black comedy man um you know chris chris ties it off does a shot sits down and he sits right on the dog's head and suffocates the dog and passes out with a dead dog underneath him. Uh, uh, she comes home and she's, she's devastated and she's super sad. She urges him based on her conversations with the FBI. She's urging Christopher to, to, to clean up his act and get off the heroin. And he friggin' beats her. He friggin' beats her. It's so fucking sad, dude. Um, Chris gets carjacked and, and beaten up while he's trying to uh, score. And um, that's what causes him to beat on Adriana when 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 she gets home and sees how beaten up he is. She's like, you need to clean yourself up. And then he starts beating on her. Um, this starts a chain reaction of events, basically, because Adriana then goes to Carmela. <coughs> and we see that um, 
we learn from Adriana, Car- Carmela and Tony learn the extent of, of Chris's heroin use. Junior tells Tony, you got to whack Chris, which is so fucked up considering we know that Junior was the one who whacked his father. I mean, uh, Junior's a cold-blooded son of a bitch. So he's telling Tony, you got to kill Chris because this guy is compromised and he's just going to continue to be a problem. Drugs compromise you in that kind of way and you can't do the crimes that you need to do. Um, But Tony can't kill Chris. He doesn't want to at least. So instead, another example of like, you know, in any other context, it would be a death sentence for Chris. But because Tony is the head of the family and because Tony is doing his best to try and be better than who he should be in his stake in life, trying to be progressive, they organize an intervention. And eventually it turns into, it turns into, um, uh, it turns into a, a, a beat down. They just beat the shit out of Chris. Tony finds out that Chris killed Adriana's dog. Um, they, they, all the guys just beat the crap out of Chris. He gets a hairline skull fracture. Tony arranges for him to go to rehab in Pennsylvania and says, listen, you better not leave until you're clean and tells him that Patsy, Patsy becomes uh, a, 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 like a seeing eye dog, a, a hawk for Tony um, at, at various times. And um, so basically Chris has to sober up or he's going to die. Uh, and not die from heroin, which is how most people, most reason, it's most reasons why people need to sober up. Uh, yes, Gary X, I agree. It is an amazing scene because it's like, here are these mob guys. They, they don't have feelings. Like, look at Silvio. He's like, you know, Chris, I, uh, you're fucking up. You're fucking up. I don't like it. This, that's I love little Steven doing Silvio. Well, what are we going to do about this thing? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. What do you want to do, Tom? I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Um, we get the next episode we get is uh, Tony. Um, one of Tony's dreams. Furio's in it. Gloria's in it. Carmela and Ralphie are in it. Um, Tony discusses the dream with Dr. Melfi, uh, who says that it signifies that Carmela is con- in control because she's driving Tony's father's old Cadillac in the dream. And um, Tony is growing dissatisfied with his therapy when, when Melfi is like sort of describing this dream and basically tells her that he, he doesn't agree with what the interpretation is of the dream. Um, He also, it's funny he basically lies to Melfi about Svetlana and like how it was him that broke, broke it off uh, when it was the other way around. And basically this is when Tony realizes that he doesn't want to do therapy anymore and that things are over and that he's done. And he gives her this tender kiss on the cheek. It's actually kind of sweet. Um, And you kind of get the feeling that even though Melfi knows a lot, but it, you know, I feel like Melfi, Melfi would never get whacked for what she knows. Uh, Tony is grateful for for how Melfi has helped him. And believe it or not, and she demonstrates all the ways that she has helped him. I mean, this has kind of been like an overarching, reoccurring theme. And once again, it's ended. I don't remember if they start back up again. I know she's still in the show, so I would imagine that they do. Um, Sophia, so Sophia... 
the the daughter notices in Bobby's car, Bobby Jr.'s car, that there's a cake that is addressed to Karen because it was their anniversary. Um, Janice starts like confronting Bobby Jr. about this and, um, you know, uh, over the fact that he continues to go to Karen's grave every day, you know, and it, that he buried the cake for their anniversary. And um, Janice is trying to be her, do her best to be understanding and claim that she understands his grief. But, you know, um, <clears throat> there's this whole thing with Sophia and Bobby Jr. over Karen's, their mother's ghost. Uh, AJ is really sadistic with an Ouija board. You know, it's a lot of sort of rigmarole. It doesn't really affect anything. Like, I don't mind these sort of like, offshoot things that happen but they don't really drive anything forward and i always find myself just wanting to you know see what's going to happen next um a junior at junior's trial the judge uh denies a motion to dismiss um dismiss on the grounds of mental incompetence and um they realize now that they need to get to one of the jurors is the only way if they can get to one of the jurors, then hopefully they can get a mistrial and, you know, threaten a juror and his family. It's the, it's all they, it's the only thing that they can do. Um, Tony has to have a sit down in New York with Carmine and Johnny. And they're demanding at this point, they're demanding 40% of the profits from the HUD scam. And, uh, you know, Tony is like, this is bullshit. He, he walks out. Um, he, he gives a counter offer of much less 5.5%. Carmine rejects that and uh, Carmine ends up uh, beating up one of the house appraisers for Tony for part of the scam. And the house appraiser refuses to appraise houses, which starts to fuck up Tony's money. You know, um, Vic keeps getting beaten up and um, this time he gets beaten up by Vito because he's saying, listen, you better work for the Soprano family. So he's getting beat up for working for the Soprano family and for not working the Soprano family. I mean, it's a bad position to be in for this appraiser. And it's like messing up the scam. Um, Silvio and Tony talk about reaching out to little Carmine. That's Carmine's son. And he lives down in Florida and they're trying to like, figure out like if little Carmine can speak to Carmine about the HUD business and get everything, you know, um, uh, back to the way that it needs to be Uh little Carmine agrees to, to go home and uh, talk to his father um, because Tony's threatening action against the, the New York family. If they can't solve the problem over to this, HUD scam, it's it's gonna be, you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad news bears. So that happens. Um then we get we get this whole thing. We get this whole thing with um uh at Junior's trial, um, where Bobby is looking for a junior, uh looking for a juror that has a wedding ring because the, the, the juror with the wedding ring most likely has a family and they will be able to intimidate him. And they do, they do, they get to the juror that they need to get to in order to make, make it all work. Um, little Carmine comes to New Jersey to talk to Carmine and Johnny about, you know, lowering the amount that they're demanding from the scam from 40%. And um, Carmine doesn't want to bend. And, 
Johnny, he later meets with Tony and Silvio and he tries to offer a very slight compromise. They still want 40%, but only on future dealings, meaning that whatever has happened has happened. You can keep the money. And Tony again, rejects, rejects the thing. And not only that, uh, orders little Polly to rough up and destroy Carmine's new restaurant uh, in retaliation for that. So there's like a, a, a war that's starting to brew Re retaliation and counter retaliation. Carmine then uses his influence with the unions to shut down work at the warehouse project, which is bringing both New York and New Jersey money. And those are those, those no show jobs. And it, that's, 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 it's hitting them both. It's hitting them both where, where it hurts the most, their, their pocketbooks. Um, and uh, Johnny and Tony, they end up meeting in secret. And Johnny says, listen, um, Carmine's decisions are, you know, lightening my pockets too much. And maybe we should make Carmine go away because Johnny just wants to keep the money flowing. And he also becomes the boss if something happens to Carmine. So there you go. Uh, we see something so rare. We haven't seen this in the Sopranos yet. We see Pauly get confrontational with Silvio. Um, Silvio is upset with Pauly because his earnings are low and tells him that he thinks that Tony is doubting his loyalty. Uh, it turns into this whole thing back and forth between Pauly and Silvio. It's, it's really upsetting because they're such good friends. Uh, but we see how, once again, money is the only thing that can dissolve loyalty. Pauly ends up running to Carmine at a wedding and is really shocked that Carmine has no idea who he is. He tries to pay respect to Carmine and gets none in return. And he's realizing that Johnny Sack, remember how Johnny Sack said, Carmine thinks very highly of you. And again, I think this is because he wants, he's hoping maybe he can get in with the New York family because things are going south with the New Jersey family. Uh, but after learning that that Johnny Sack was feeding him bullshit, his allegiance is now firmly with New Jersey family. Because I was trying to figure out, I was like, you know, Paulie's doing a lot of shit that would probably get him ousted from the Jersey family. And now I remind, because Paulie makes it all the way to the end. Paulie survives. He's one of the only guys who makes it all the way to the end along with Tony throughout uh, all six seasons of The Sopranos. Um, Paulie realizes that he needs to get in somehow with Tony as Tony is not Tony, all of Tony's money is drying up. It's things are looking hairy for Tony. So Paulie finds out that Min, uh, Min, that's the other friend, Cookie and Min. <laughs> he finds out when he takes all three of them to a Broadway show that she keeps all of her savings under her mattress. She does not keep it in the bank because she's like, you know, again, just like that old school mentality of my money is safest with me. So he breaks into her house. And she walks in on him trying to steal her money. He tries his best to sweet talk her into lunch. There's a great scene. One of the best scenes with Polly with anybody in all the Sopranos is you have Cookie, Polly's mom, and Min, and they are stealing all the little things off the table, the rolls, the, the free rolls, the sweet and lows. They're putting them in their doggy bags. These, these precious trinkets that are so valuable to old grandma, old biddies. And I could tell you the reason why that's that made me smile so much is because that's my grandma. My Nana used to love putting all the rolls. She would go to this all you can eat buffet place 
and she loved to put all of the rolls into her bag and she put them in the freezer. We used to always joke about how she got such cheap thrills from taking all of the sweet and lows. She'd take all the sweet and lows, all the sugars, and she put them all in her purse to keep at home. It's just such a, a tiny little detail that is so incredibly accurate about that generation. And uh, it just brought such a smile to my face. And of course, there's no rolls left over for Polly's mom. So Polly <laughs> has the waiter bring over some more rolls. It's great, man. Again, uh, I keep thinking of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's what keeps popping into my mind. And I just, I friggin' love it. I love it. So in any case, that's so, so, so Polly is able to produce an envelope for Tony you know, at a time where it's very hard to earn and Tony is very grateful to the envelope. It seems to sort of make everything smooth over with Tony. Um, Carmela, uh, Carmela goes over to Furio's house to discuss decorating, right? Um, and it seems like something's going to happen between them. But then they get interrupted by one of her father's contractors because her father is a contractor. Carmela's father is a contractor and is helping out uh, Furio. Um, they make a date to, to pick out tile and she calls it a date and he calls it a date. And, you know, for again, for Carm, who loves like she used to love entertaining Father Phil, who she almost had a thing with, like. The, the reoccurring theme with Carm is that she so desperately wants to step outside of the marriage, like the way she knows that her husband does, but she can never bring herself to do it for one reason or another. And this is just the latest line of that. And it's just so sad um, because Carm is just so uh, she's just, she's just under what, whatever she's under um, uh, her, her needs are not met in any kind of way. Um, Tony and Furio go to a, a, a casino in Connecticut. And while they're peeing, while they're peeing, because because Furio, Furio starts to feel very resentful at Tony, who he sees carousing with um with just, you know, some blonde bimbo that he's going to bang. And here Furio is who's in love with Tony has everything that Furio wants. He had here he is. He's banging this this hot blonde chick. Uh, but at the same time, he's got Carmela at home who he does not attend to. And Furio, you know, it makes Furio really mad. And you can tell that Furio, when they're pe they're peeing by this helicopter, right? These helicopter blades. Um, they order a helicopter and they're going to be helicoptered out of there. And Furio thinks for a split second about pushing Tony into the tail rotor. And he grabs him by the lapels as if he's going to do it. And it looks like he's going to do it. And then at the very last moment, you think maybe it's like a dream sequence. It's not. He says to him, he goes, he goes, um, you were standing too close to the blades. Um, the next morning, he just does not, he just, he, he just leaves to Italy. That's it. He's gone. Furio just returns. He moves out of his house. Tony's upset that he's lost one of his key men, but Carmela is just devastated. Absolutely devastated. Uh, there's this whole uh, dinner with Meadows new boyfriend Finn I think this is the guy she ends up being with I don't remember uh, they're talking about a, a book called Billy Bud and some of the uh, themes uh, gay themes that are in the book and um, Carmela Carmela ends up like she just ends up having this whole sort of um, she just dissolves she dissolves she ends up going to um, have tea under the portrait of Eloise like she used to do with her mom 
all the time when they were younger. And that also sort of dissolves as well, um, dissolves their relationship. Uh, AJ tells Meadow about their mother's visits to Furio, and she's starting to suspect that her mother might have been having an affair with him, completely oblivious to all of the philandering of Tony, which is so ridiculous. Um, but Carmela is just, I mean, she's she's just she's she's uh she's just disintegrating at at the seams, man. It's really, it's really sad. It's really, really, really sad. Um, eventually. Um, so the Espinade, HUD, whatever, everything's shut down. Uh, Johnny is worried about his revenue. Um, Tony decides that he is, they, they set up a hit on Tony. I forgot to mention that there there's a hit that's supposed to go out on Carmine. Um, Tony realizes that he's assuming a lot of risk because Johnny's saying to Tony, listen, I'm going to become the new boss here. You can call the terms. T uh, Tony wants to do a 60, 40 split. Um, there's a lot he, he Tony uh, uh, Johnny tries to make it really worthwhile for Tony to do a hit on Carmine to, 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 to solve the problems so that everybody can start earning again. You know, Ginny is breaking uh, Johnny's balls about, you know, money. And Johnny's like realizing like that he's got to tighten the belt unless something is done. Right. Something like that. Tony decides to not do the hit on Carmine who he was using. He was sourcing Christopher to outsource the hit to some guys. He used to uh, get heroin for um, Carmine decides to change his mind and does a negotiation. And when that happens, the, the, the hit no longer happens. Johnny still wanted the hit to go down. He still wants Carmine out of the picture, but because because they were able to find an agreement, Tony is like, I'm not going to do this hit. So he tells Christopher to silence the heroin dealers who are just hired guns. And um, Chris has them both killed because nobody can ever know that Tony was going to try and hit Carmine um, for Johnny. Um, Johnny is very resentful against Tony for backing out of their agreement. The juror intimidation against Junior uh, worked, and he gets a mistrial. Um, Bobby and Janice, they celebrate, and Junior's kind of distrusting of, of Janice and like doesn't like her hanging around with Bobby and starts ordering Bobby around to do stuff, that sort of thing. Tony surprises Carmella. Um, with a trip to a cabin on the Jer a house on the Jersey Shore that he wants to buy waterfront property. Um, Carmela is really wooed by this, and she's super happy with Tony. Tony's saying we're investing in our family's future because our kids are growing up. It's going to get harder and harder to get all of us together. This is a great incentive for that. I mean, it's very good thinking by Tony to do that. Uh, there's a lawyer next door who's an attorney, and he offers cash to him. Uh, the attorney is a, a kind of a jackass. He's a kind of a dick, but he's also he's kind of like a ruthless lawyer type kind of guy. He gets into a whole thing. They get into a whole thing uh, with uh, Tony gets into a whole thing with him because eventually he doesn't want to buy the house anymore because Irina, that Guma, who's the cousin of Svetlana, who also slept with Tony, she calls up Carmela and starts talking about uh you know how she used to fuck tony 
and how Tony also fucks Svetlana and how Tony doesn't care about Carmella and it's just like being nasty to Carmella. This causes Carmella to go off the deep end. She snaps and we get one of the best scenes in The Sopranos. We get a finally the, the full confrontation. We get Carmella's wrath over all of the indiscretions, all of Tony's affairs. And it's just, it just goes on and on. And the reason why Irina did this in the first place is because Tony humiliated Ronnie, the, the, the assemblyman who ended up with Irina. When he, when he beat him with a belt, he could no longer get hard. He could no longer perform uh, sexually. And so that ended their relationship. And that's why Irina decided to do this nasty thing that she does to Tony. Tony ends up deciding doesn't want to buy the house. And he explains to that this to the lawyer. And the lawyer still wants to keep his deposit. And they get into this really funny back and forth where Tony ends up using the Stugats to play, uh, you know, um, lounge music, like Dean Martin lounge music uh, as a means of releasing releasing uh, Tony from the uh, agreement and the, the deposit, giving Tony his $200,000 deposit back. Um, Meadow is super disappointed with Carmella, of all people. It's like, she, why isn't she mad at her fucking father? She's mad at her mother over the separation because Tony and Carmella separate after she just tears them a new asshole. And it's just such it's the it's the best acting in the Sopranos. The the back and forth between Tony and Carmella is so good. It's just it, it is a gold standard grade a acting and directing. It's just a phenomenal scene, a scene of drama. And so Meadow, that's when Meadow really starts to have like. I guess maybe Meadow always kind of knew, but like, you know, she basically becomes fully aware of, of, of Tony's affairs and Meadow gets hurt by Tony, whatever. And so basically they, the, you know, Tony refuses to leave the house and Carmel is trying to do her best to push Tony out and she ultimately can't. And, you know, they start arguing over like tiny little things like leaving um, theater chairs on the lawn and eventually they have um, they have another argument. And this argument, it's like the, it was like a one two punch argument. You have the first argument and the second argument. The second argument is when she reveals her feelings for Furio. And she does this because Tony says, like, listen, I can never have a conversation with you like you. you, Because she just she just expresses how it's just like, I just want to be heard. I just want to be seen. I just want to be felt. And it's like it's like. um. Tony is like, you're boring. He's basically telling her she's boring. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. So she hurts him in the way that she knows she could hurt Tony better than anything else. And she says she had feelings for Furio. And um, Tony, we've never seen Tony get this violent with Carmela. And he, he rushes up against the wall uh, and he punches the wall instead of hitting, hitting her. He puts like four holes in the wall. Um, and admits that that's what he admits that he was looking for women with different qualities. And then she responds like, Hey, you didn't even know how, what about all like the fucking strippers and prostitutes? You didn't know half of the women that you were sleeping with. It's bullshit. She calls Tony on his bullshit. And in this area, Tony just simply cannot admit that he was wrong, that he's straight up wrong. Tony tries to call Dr. Melfi. 
it doesn't, you know, uh, he ends up hanging up on her. Um, and he finally tells the family that he's going to move out completely. And it's really sad. Um, and that's basically it. The, eventually the lawyer lets Tony out of his, his deposit for the, uh, the, the country house. And, and that's the end. That is, that is the end of the episode. This wow, this was really, really long. Um, now we've come to the part where you're supposed to do where we're doing the trivia contest. And you know what's super fucked up? I have forgotten what my trivia question was. I had it in my head, and I've been talking about the Sopranos for so goddamn long. I don't remember what the fucking trivia question was. I didn't write it down, and now I gotta think of a new one. So let's think of what is our trivia question for the free t-shirt. Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. My God, why did I do this to myself? Why did I put myself in this position? Uh, okay, here is a here's the trivia question. The writer of first of all, again, here here are the rules. Here are the rules for the trivia question. Send in your email, send in your email with your answer to fromismail at gmail.com. Let me play you the rules one more time. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com, and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways who doesn't like a free t-shirt i'm not gonna go easy on any of you i'm gonna ask really hard questions so be prepared okay now you know what the rules are are you ready here is my trivia question this one is gonna be about mad max because we're we are i just did the first read through for the mad max novelization uh, which will be available to Patreons and YouTubers shortly, YouTube members shortly. Basically, um, all right, ready? Mad Max Fury Road has three writers. George Miller. Shit. Fuck. I, I totally fucked this up. All right. In any case, let me just let me just do the question. What role in the original Mad Max does the co-writer of Mad Max Fury Road play? That's all I'm going to tell you. And you have to figure out the answer. What role in the original Mad Max from 1979 is played by the one of the screenwriters of Mad Max Fury Road? Okay, figure that out. Send your answer into fromismail at gmail.com for your chance to win a free t-shirt. The first person to answer correctly with the name of this person. Again, let me let me clearly say it. One of the co-writers of Mad Max Fury Road is also in Mad Max from 1979. What role did this person play? Send your answer to me at fromismail at gmail.com for your chance to win a free t-shirt. Ooh, I think you're right uh, to do a Breaking Bad show. So I just re-watched all of Breaking Bad and I would love to do, I could talk forever about breaking bad think i'm wrong but i said okay gary okay i will i will check in my thing by the way um i will also say this the question that i asked on the previous for the previous trivia question has not been correctly answered yet and that question was as follows 
You can say, I'll let you guys send this in as well. Ready? I'll let you guys send this in as well. What is the first collection compilation put out by the band, the misfits? Okay. What is the name of the first compilation that that has not been correctly answered yet either. So that's still up for someone can still get a t-shirt. We only had, we had a wrong, we had a wrong answer. So again, who is the person that plays uh, the, the, um, uh, oh, oh my God, I almost said it. I almost said it. Uh, what is the name of the guy who has a role? The <laughs> Oh my God, I suck. I suck. I really, really suck right now. One of the co-writers has a role in the original Mad Max movie. What is that role that they play and who are they? And uh, the other one is, what is the first compilation by the band, The Misfits? Compilation, the first compilation put out by the band the misfits think about my words carefully we do not have a correct answer first people to send the correct answer in to fromismail at gmail.com will win free t-shirts you saw what the t-shirts look like somebody somebody win it all right i'm gonna go uh peace and hair grease and all that this was way longer of a stream than i intended uh and goodbye good night